I was definitely going to school because of what my dad thought. So I did that, but I didn't really like it. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. I found math came easy to me. I did well in math. I didn't have to really study that hard. I mean, I did, but it, it wasn't like hard work. It was, it just kind of came and I understood concepts and it just was easy. But as I was doing it, I just, I really, I remember being these big classrooms and just kind of really just not enjoying myself. Like, why am I even doing this? Why am I here? Why? And kind of going through a, not a crisis, but really kind of who am I and why, what am I aiming at? Because I, I still felt aimless and, and I had this realization I was really doing it because my dad thought that's what I should do. And at the time I said, well, it's better than doing nothing. So I'll take it. But as I was going through, I just really felt no drive or passion. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Brown, and you're listening to the Every L Podcast. Each episode, we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hands you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? Because not every L's a loss. So sit back, relax, or do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go. Welcome everyone to another episode of Every Old Podcast where we have different guests come on and talk about things that happened in their past where at the time, where when people in the thick of it, they honestly feel like it's just a loss. It's it's disastrous. Things didn't happen the way they wanted to. The plans they've made just never happen, never materialize, and they feel some sort of way. It's not Snapchat worthy. It's not Instagram worthy. It's not Twitter worthy. It's just not social media worthy, full stop. So they're copying an L. But now you look back in hindsight and look at it and go, wow, if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be here because I wouldn't have learned whatever it may have been or gained whatever it is. So these stories are by real people being open and honest in a way where not many people would feel comfortable. But so I'm absolutely grateful for each and every one of my guests that come on and share what they share. This person I have on today, as you can see from the artwork, his name is Travis. Travis, I've known for a couple of years now, I would like to say. And he is an absolutely fantastic human being. He has been so warm and welcoming. The way he presents himself is just top tier. He's always got time for you. He's got his own family. He's got his own work he does. He's got so much going on, but he makes time for you. And that is just so, that just defines who he is as an individual. I, if you need someone to look at, at who sets the standards consistently, he is that guy. He's very eloquent. He's very professional because part of his job is talking to people. But not only that, he doesn't do it from maybe a way that could come across condescending at all. He is very compassionate. He's very empathetic and he's willing to learn and grow as well as teach people what he already knows. So it's just a perfect blend of everything that you need. And he's also a dad, a really good one at that. I'm not going to big him up too much because his head won't be able to get out the door. However, I have Travis here who I'll let him introduce himself as he sees fit, share what he feels comfortable sharing before we go on to discussing what his first L is. Can we just stop the podcast there and just call it? I mean, that was like, I mean, no, <laughs> that was the most eloquent introduction. Wow. I, I, I very beyond kind words, Matt, but yeah, very wow. It's not often you hear those types of introductions about yourself. I'm like, wow, is that me? I, it's shocking. I'm like, I think I'm that person. Um, <laughs> maybe that, that's a good thing. And, it, you know, 
my, my other funny thought was like, so, so are we getting married? Is that what's happening? Like, are we, <laughs> mate, <laughs> that was the, if you'll take, like, you take me, <laughs> of like, thought of like, sounds like a proposal. No, but I, I appreciate it, Matt. That's so very sweet. I mean, I feel really touched by that introduction. Like really, I didn't, I didn't think, yeah, you never know what people think of you always like the, the like the depth of it. And yeah, very touched by that. So I, I really appreciate those kind of words. My name is Travis. I live in Southern California. I have three kids, two boys and a girl. I My day job is I work as a licensed clinician, licensed marriage and family therapist or counselor, whatever word you want to use, but that's my day job. And by night, I'm, you know, super dad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, always on, I would say, as a father. That's kind of so a little bit about me. I'm, I like music. I like outdoors. I like I do like the beach, not to be cliche, but I do love the ocean. We live not too far away from it. Here in Southern California, we like going with the kids and just, I love playing the water with the kids and the sand and kind of just the fresh air. So it's very nice. A pro of where we live is that. And we love going to the mountains with the family, kind of going up and camping and getting away from everything. Okay, so, you can stop now because this feels like an L for me because I live another. in the UK. I have none of this. I have none of this. <laughs> yeah, well, part of me like wants to see the UK. I haven't been in the UK yet, so that's kind of like I can't wait to go to the UK. So it, it's interesting. I guess you sometimes we want what we don't have, mate. All I can say is when I watch your your YouTube channels out there that talk about look at the camera quality, it's so amazing. That's because you have daylight. I have to worry about <laughs> camera phones that have good night features because it's just always overcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I, I'm very, I understand how blessed I'm living in California and there are pros and cons. There's definitely drawbacks. We won't talk about that, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think right now I'm in a phase of life of just figuring out, you know, having kids every day. It's, it's, I, I would say I'm constantly being challenged by my kids is something that you don't think about as being a parent is that really every day you're challenged to grow yourself. And I think that's something that I've, you just, you don't really realize it, I think, till becoming a parent, but you really, you are challenged. There's stuff that you, you do really well at. And I think I find there's things I thought I did well, but I don't do very well <laughs> that I have to constantly grow. So my kids challenge me on the daily and we also have some amazing moments together. But so I guess going back about an L, right? So I guess that's what this is about uh, or what I thought was an L. So I have a few, but I guess, um, you know, trying to think of which one I wanted to talk about. I, I guess this goes back to my younger years. I would say probably my, my education. We'll go there. What I thought was in, I guess at the time I found difficulty with and trying to figure out who I was and struggling when I was in my, you know, late, just after high school and then kind of early, early twenties trying to figure out what it is I wanted to do. But I guess I can start there. Yeah. Is that good. Yeah. Go for it. Take it from the top where you feel it's relevant and take us on that journey for why, you know, what the plans was and how the plans didn't go accordingly. Yeah. So I, um, senior year of high school, my parents separated. So, or right before I started my senior year, so 12th grade. So I'm not sure what they would call that in the UK, but they decided to separate. So that was kind of a big change in the family, as you could imagine. And in my home, it was kind of a shock. It wasn't expected. It was like at a left field feeling. It wasn't, from what I can tell, there was no signs. It wasn't like they were arguing all the time. It wasn't, it was just one day they said that. It was kind of like, oh, wow, that's shocking. So that happened. And there's a whole story there. But long story short for that is, you know, my dad moved away uh, back a couple hours, a couple hours away. And I was with my mom, my brother, my younger brother. And when I graduated high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. 
So I went to what we call here a junior college, which is essentially like a two-year college versus a, a traditional four-year university college here in the States. So I did that route because I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I quote unquote needed college. So I went and it was also because for me to live at home, I needed to be doing something kind of the rules of the home, so to speak. So I was going to junior college, taking classes, not really sure what I wanted to do, just kind of, you know, doing the basics, what was required of me and I was working. And then a year after that, I moved down to San Diego, which is South California as well. And that I was living about an hour and a half away from that previously, but we moved down with my family. My parents were going to try on their marriage again. So they were kind of doing their thing, but I moved in with them and, and I had buddies that actually lived down there. So I was actually going to move down there anyway with some friends because I wanted to get away from my hometown. I just wanted to see something different, but I decided to live with my parents because it was free because it's, it's costly to live on your own. It's not, it's not, it's not cheap. And so I was going to, and then I went to a big college, big university there, like a four year. And at the time I was a math major because that's what my dad thought I should do. So I was definitely going to school because of what my dad thought. And um, so I did that, but I didn't really like it. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. I found math came easy to me. I did well in math. I didn't have to really study that hard. I mean, I did, but it, it wasn't like hard work. It was it just kind of came and I understood concepts and it just was easy. But as I was doing it, I just, I really, I remember being these big classrooms and just kind of really just not enjoying myself. Like, why am I even doing this? Why am I here? Why? And kind of going through a, not a crisis, but really kind of who am I and why, what am I aiming at? Cause I, I still felt aimless and, and I had this realization I was really doing it because my dad thought that's what I should do. And at the time I said, well, it's better than doing nothing. So I'll take it. But as I was going through, I just really felt no drive or passion. And so I remember I completed a sem one semester at this four year and decided to just stop and just work just to kind of think and just work full time. And I remember telling my dad and as a quick side note, me and my dad's relationship now is amazing. Probably the best we ever had. But back then it wasn't so great, more disconnected. We didn't really talk that often. He didn't really listen well to people. It was more about what he thought and what he wanted and his ideas versus having a dialogue. Very different today. Again, another story. But I remember telling him and he got really mad, upset that I was not going to college and didn't really hear why. He just it just kind of dismissed everything that I was saying. And uh, I felt really hurt by that, really frustrated, a whole bunch of emotions. But I knew it felt right to stop because I just felt like what, I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting money. I'm wasting time. I'm This is pointless. So I stopped. Hard conversation with my dad. And then shortly after that, I moved out of my parents' house for the first time and moved in with some buddies and roommates. And that was actually the best thing I ever did was getting in my parents' house, giving, giving me some space from just their stuff, which looking back at the time, I thought there's a couple L's in the story. At the time I thought, why am I wasting money moving out when I could live at home for free and figured life out? But at the time I took that on saying, you know what, I'd rather have to spend money and pay for myself, but have peace versus be in a place where it's just kind of chaotic. So I moved out, lived with roommates. There was four guys in a two bedroom, you know, it's like bunk beds. It was, you know, it was great. It's like young college days and, you know, 
stay up late and eating crisps, I guess would be what I meant. Uh, crisps or chips, French fries on our end, you know, which aren't French. No, but we, have, <laughs> we have like some good, like Mexican burrito shops, like in San Diego, there are, you know, every, they're like a, there's one on every corner, amazing Mexican food, you know, carne asada and all this stuff and, you know, eating food and hanging out late with my buddies and stuff and, and just living, you know, young twenties life. I then decided to go back to school and again, now I had a passion. And at the time, I don't know if you know this, people don't, but I actually decided I wanted to study theology. So Christian theology. And I went to school and I actually really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed studying that. And so I went back to school and got a bachelor's in that. And that actually didn't feel like an L at the time. I felt like I was really finding something I cared about. And then I started a master's program, upper division, graduate school. And then the first semester into that, my parents, to wrap up, you know, to kind of bring full circle, what happened with them, they finally got divorced and finally decided to fully end it, like actually paperwork and everything. Because before they were kind of separated, kind of sort of working on the relationship in the background. And then, but this time they actually were done. And I remember that phone call because I remember just thinking, what, you know, what am I doing again? I feel lost. That really hit me hard. And I really felt kind of just, yeah, a lot of grief, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of a lot of kind of just feeling lost and like, what am I doing again? Kind of made me question even what I was doing and feeling, am I I doing the right thing? And just kind of made me go through this whole just space of just really questioning everything and having no firm footing on what I was doing. So kind of felt like an L, like am I wasting my time again and and stuck? And so I stopped going to school again because I just couldn't think. And, and, And at the time I knew a counselor and someone recommended me to go see this counselor. And I never thought of counseling before, never, never even crossed my mind previously. You know, I kind of knew much like most people do if they don't know what counseling is. It's like, you know, it's what you see on TV and, and what you hear some of the, the classic, you know, tropes as well as some real stuff, kind of a mixed bag. But I knew it was someone I trusted and they said, Hey, this might, might, might help you right now. So I kind of went based upon the referral from someone that I trusted and that I respected. Still kind of not knowing what it was going to do, but had an idea. So I started doing that and I started working on my stuff, my own fears, anxieties, doubts, pain from my parents' divorce, just kind of literally everything and walking through some of that, which in turn, I found through that process that I found profound help in that space of seeing a counselor and seeing the benefit of it. That part of me then became to realize, I think I really want to help people on this capacity, this type of help this type of being with people's pain and, and being kind of a, you know, a beacon of hope or light or, or guide, so to speak, to navigate just life, the difficulty, the confusion, the hurt, the anger, the frustration, all these things. And so, and my counselor at the time as well saw that in me that I had a gifting and kind of challenged me on it a bit to think about it. And I remember the first few months thinking about it, I kind of doubted it. Even though part of me wanted to do it, I still felt like Am I going to waste my time again? Is this going to be something that just turns into some other part of me that I go an avenue I go down and I end up realizing it's another dead end? And do I want to, do I want to have another L in my life of wasting and, and, and having friends now a little older? I was still like in my early twenties, but feeling this pressure that I should know what I needed to do and having friends that kind of found what they were doing and doing a little bit of that comparison game and feeling a little lost in that. 
And I remember looking into some schools at the time and kind of looking at their admission process and what it would take to go into the programs and kind of at the time really being stuck in fear and kind of crippled by it. Like, I don't want to do it. I want to risk. I don't want to have another L. I don't want to waste my time, waste my money. Is this really, is this really something I really feel like I want to do? Or is it just like a moment, you know, kind of questioning, looking back at the time, like everything I've done has been kind of out of my own worries or fears or what people thought I should do. Is this really what I want to do? But the more I sat on it, the more I, and I uh, reflected on it, I began to talk to other people I respected that knew me and kind of pitch it to them. Like, what do you think about this? You know me. What are your thoughts? And really getting wisdom. And I, I take a while to make a decision. I've always kind of been that way. I'm very calculated and look at the different ups and downs of a decision. And so there's a pro to that. And there's, and there's also a drawback, obviously, because in some of the, sometimes I don't make a decision. Back, back in the day, I wouldn't make a decision out of the fear of making the wrong decision. So, but I did my due diligence. I got good feedback and I was kind of healing some of my fears anyway and counseling kind of in tandem and parallel. So as I was healing some of my stuff and letting go of my own fears, anxieties, and worries, I began to take risks. And so I found this program and knew I was going to take on school debt, which was a fear of mine because I was like, oh, it's a lot of debt. And if it's not the right thing, like that's, I was stuck on that for almost like six months of like, that's a lot of debt. And I know it's an investment, but if it's the wrong thing, that's not good debt. That's like more debt. And now I'm just kind of screwed. But I took the risk and I did it and I instantly fell in love. And it was psychology. So I went back for a second degree in college or university and it was psychology. And I loved every second of it. It was the first time that outside of math when I was younger that I pretty much got the A's and everything or top, top marks, top scores and everything without really trying because I cared about it. It was something that I wanted to consume. I wanted to read. I wanted to understand. And so it kind of went from an L to this switch of, no, I, I'm, I'm now finding something I truly love and adore. And then I went on to, once I graduated from university or college, I had another moment of questioning, but do I want to continue this and go to graduate school to then become, a, you know, what you need to do to become a therapist or counselor in the States. And another time I was kind of like unsure and kind of testing and, and uh, not sure if it'd be an L or not again, that kind of came up again, not as strong, but it was kind of in the background. Like, is this, is this really what you want? And ended up the doors opened and it wasn't easy getting into the school I got into, but I got in and it was kind of a sign to me that this is where I need to go and then finish graduate school in three years. and then. 3,000 hours in the in California to after graduate school to get licensed in the state of California. And that's another two, two and a half, three years of work and then exams. And then, you know, this is now, that was seven years ago that I passed my exam and I'm here. Congratulations. Thank you. And looking back, you know, if I look at my story and I use my story a lot when I work with like young, you know, late adolescents or young adults, because so many of them nowadays are so crippled by having to figure out what they need to do now that they should know what they need to do. They should already have it figured out by 18, 19, 20, 21. And so I often use my story as a testament to saying, hey, let me tell you a bit about my story. And and I do it a little quicker than what I'm doing now, a little, little, you know, kind of share what I need to share depending on the client. But I share them saying, I thought I was wasting my time. But as I look back, it's like, no, all the, all of the decisions I made, none of it actually was a waste. It actually got me to where I am now. Even my degree in theology, it actually, which I love that too, it got me to, it. these were stepping stones that got me to this place. Even my parents 
divorce that I then, and then someone recommending counseling, all of these decisions I thought that were kind of a waste of my time and dead ends and were frustrations and were fears. I just kept kind of taking steps and kind of moving, so to speak, the ball forward, you know, kind of like this back and forth, left and right, kind of jagged, so to speak. It wasn't like this nice, clean, linear line. But looking back, I don't think if I wouldn't have gone through those things, I, I don't know if I would have made the decision at the time to go to pursue counseling because all of those things had an impact on my life as well as the decisions I made to, to kind of go down different paths. They all got in getting me to the place where I'm today that no, all of those were important. None of it was actually a loss at all. They were all part of the story of shaping me to become who I am today. And so I often share that now with the young late teens, young adults that I see in my office when they start to question, because so many of us question that, as I share saying, no, this is actually, I want you to see this as just part of your story, part of your journey, that it's not a loss actually in the slightest. It might feel that way. But the reality is, this is all kind of your training ground, so to speak, to become to whatever it is you will become, that this will be part of that story. This will be part of the journey. And so looking back now, like I'm very thankful for my long, long college university path. It wasn't short. It was very much long and numerous colleges decisions. But again, I look back now with so much grace on my life and, and, you know, empathy, understanding that I was just trying to figure it out. And I see now how all those connect the dots really do really have shaped me to the man, to the dad, to the therapist, to who I am today that I, I wouldn't go back and trade it. Because it would, it, I'd be a different person if it wasn't for those experiences. So, I really have, and this, I've, I've, I've looked at it this way for years now. Like it's nothing new. I mean, I've definitely looked at my life now through the lens of gratitude and seeing that's all part of my journey. But when I was in the thick of it, when I was like nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, absolutely not. I was very much worried and afraid and stuck and questioning a lot and doubtful and unsure of who I was, unsure of myself and. I was that, you know, when you're in it, you know, I did not see it that way. (laughs) Now I can, now I see it that way. Now I understand. Now I have the lens and the perspective and the ability to look back and say, oh yeah, it actually, this all makes sense now. And even seeing the doors, how the doors, how certain doors open and certain doors weren't and certain doors closed and like, wow, like that, that changed the the path, like that door open and enabled me to go here, but it didn't have to open. It could have just stayed closed. And I don't know what it would happen then, like what decision I would have made, but for whatever reason, that door was open to me and I, and I chose to walk through it. And so it's always fascinating to look back now. So that's kind of a, that that's what I thought was an L, but I realized, no, it's not an L at all. It's part of who I am. And I celebrate it and I talk about it and I use that story to help others where they are and kind of say, no, let's look at that from this perspective. You know, let's start to change our view on our life up to this point. Let's start to examine how we can use this for our growth rather than our hindrance. That's really powerful and I appreciate for sharing. I do find it interesting because hearing you speak so eloquently about it, my head says to me, he's got this. He understands how during it just wasn't seeing it for what it was just in it and just feeling everything and question everything that needs to be there because it's a lot of debt it's a lot of pressure there's Mm -hmm. consequences to everyone's actions especially your own and this is where you're thinking boy there's going to be at least five figures worth of debt i'm going to get myself into so i need to make sure there's an investment yeah i'm going to get a return on that so i need to be earning that big bucks when i do it right but i find it also interesting that you being the person that you are 
it can be difficult to accept that because you're in a, you're in a capacity where you help people, not just in your professional capacity, but also outside of work, especially with your children. Mm -hmm. But you've been able to say it is part of your journey. It's part of who you are. Effectively, you're saying success comes in cans, not can't or cannot. So you focus on what you can do and it will be jagged, but you'll get there as long as you pursue Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But then if your kids or someone you cared about was to be making mistakes, you might struggle to accept that because you want to help them. Mm. Did anyone try to help you with your decisions you need to make? Because you said that you divvied with certain decisions that you had to make until you fully sort of fleshed it all out and you knew what you were going to do. Sometimes the decision you would make is not making the decision. Mm-hmm. But was there anyone that could help you to make a decision sooner rather than later when it came to those, the fork, you know, the, yeah, the fork, what's it called? The junction. Yeah, the fork, the fork, yeah, the fork, the, yeah. I mean, I would say that I definitely had people in my life that I went to. I found mentors. If I didn't have those type of people, again, I don't know what would have happened. I, I know that they were integral to, to kind of process and talk with them. I'm both a verbal processor as well as kind of in my own head. But as I talk things through, it helps me understand more. And so having those outlets and people that were older than me that have lived life, I had some older mentors in my life that I was able to kind of talk with. And that really, they did help me. And I don't know what would have happened if I didn't reach out to them or if I didn't talk. I don't, I don't know if I would have been, I mean, maybe I, I, I can't, I can't tell, but I, I can't imagine I would be where I am today if I, if I didn't have those type of people, which I, I think also I've realized the importance because of that, the importance of that we all need some type of relationship mentors that we can connect with and talk to and gain wisdom from the, the importance of having someone, at least one person in our life that we can kind of bounce ideas off of, especially someone who's older and that's lived life, like kind of that mentor role. So I really, I really realized the profound impact of having those types of people in your life and the need for that kind of generational, you know, wealth, so to speak, like intellectual wealth, emotional wealth, you know, all those parts that go into it. Because I really did tap into some of those that were, that happened to be in my life at the time. And I, cause I trusted them. I respected what they had to say and, and they never told me what to do. They're very good at it, like challenging me, making me think, but also with encouragement and giving me some perspective. How did you find those individuals? Good question. Um, They happen to be where, uh, where I was. So... I've always, I think, always been someone to cultivate relationship. I think it's always kind of been part of me. You know, even since I was a kid, I've always kind of been okay with doing that. And, and as a gift, I guess, if you will, to cultivate and connect with people and, and have conversation. And at the time, I, you know, I was, um, these certain people in my life, you know, one was my counselor who I did respect. And I know that she, you know, being my counselor and stuff, she had a definitely perspective into my life. Not everyone was privy to. So she definitely challenged me. But then I had some other people in my life. At the time, I was at a church and I had some mentors there, a couple that I respected that and I did music and stuff. So they were part of the music group as well in the church. And so we would regularly get together outside and just have relationship, dinner together, food and and invite me over. And they were kind of, they were like my parents' age. So they were, their kids were my age, but I, they were kind of mentors to me and and so just having conversations, having the, the capacity to talk to both of them on a semi-regular basis, 
And then when these school things came up, I remember even saying, Hey, would you mind me talking to you about this? And they say, of course. And so we would just have these dialogues. And so, yeah. And then I had a couple of friends that I trusted too, my age that, that kind of knew me that I would kind of just talk with and throw ideas out there and they would kind of give feedback. So yeah. So people within my vicinity, just friendships that I cultivated and then my counselor, but I know that, I know that might be a challenge for some people. I know that that's hard for some people to have those types of relationships that that doesn't come easy for some, but I know how important they are in our life. And so not that I, I'm encouraging anyone to do this, but I encourage everyone to do this, to have some type of good relationships that you can bounce ideas off that listen well, that give you some guidance. I think it's such a needed thing. Even now in my age, like I, I need that. I need those relationships. And, and even now as a almost 40 year old dad, with three kids as a therapist, I still, I still need that. I still need guidance. I still turn to people for, for checking in and wisdom. Like, absolutely. I don't think I ever will not unless, you know, I guess when I'm 90 or a hundred years old, maybe I won't, but <laughs> you need someone to help you set, like send an email or something or whatever the latest tech is. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll need, I'll need a different type of mentor, like a younger <laughs> generation mentor to help me with like, you know, life virtual virtual reality or something but i think there's such a good i think we do need good relationships and different types of relationships in our life and and so yeah i encourage people to cultivate those that's beautiful and and i'll ask you the question based on how you see things now versus how you did when you was in it pick a particular time that you can think of but what would you say to your younger self when you was probably at your worst and you felt like you was in complete despair. You just felt, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pack it in. I'm just not going to make a decision. What would you say to your younger self? Bear in mind, this has no reflection or no ramification of what your life is today. Mm. But if you could go back to your younger self and just say, Travis, mate, what would it be? Mm. I think the thing that I struggled with a lot when I was younger was trying to prove my worth and who, and that I was enough. So I think I would just say, you don't need to prove yourself. You're enough the way you are. There's nothing you need to prove to anybody for acceptance or anything. Because I struggle with a lot of fear of being accepted and being enough when I was younger and trying to get accolades to prove my worth and who I was, which is very classic for a lot of men, I find, (laughs) working with men now in therapy, is that, you know, trying to find that sense of who you are. So that's actually what I would say is earlier, if I could, is, hey, you're good. You don't need to prove anything, man. I think a lot of my fear was also rooted in that, in my story, even around school. You know, that was kind of the deeper fear behind everything was that kind of proving of it being enough and getting acceptance and everything like that. And do you think your younger version of yourself would hear you say that? Or would you have to present the information in a different way for you to receive it? You know, if I came in, you know, like back to the future style, <laughs> like maybe I would, maybe I would have, uh, maybe I would have heard it. Maybe it would have. I don't know. It's hard to tell. I don't know. I would, I would like to think I would, I would hear it with open arms. I'm sure that my younger self would have probably had some hesitation. I'm sure. <laughs> I think I probably would have questioned it a bit, but gosh, if I was able to give that message from, you know, future Trav to past Trav that I always think of Dwight in the office with, with Jim and he sends the facts to himself from future Dwight with the coffee. I don't know if you remember that episode, <laughs> if you ever watched the office, but. I would like to think that I would, I would have accepted it, but I'm sure that I would have had some reservations around the message <laughs> at the time. I get that. I, I like asking the question just because I know people receive information in different ways. And no matter how clear you can be in the message you're providing, sometimes you can't receive it. If it's just said to you, sometimes it needs to be delivered in a different way just so that it receives and sinks in. And you're like, all right, cool. I understand that assignment. Let me just. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think relationally would have been the answer. Definitely having a relationship 
type of investment, you know, not like just like dropping in the mailbox, but someone taking the time and, and taking the effort to like be with me and sit with me and, and have that relational dynamic, I think is for sure the way it, it would have to be delivered. Nice sound. So you're saying it's not an L and just to remind me again, what is it if it's not an L? It's a, it's a win. It's life. It's not an L. It's a, it's part of my journey, part of my story that I'm proud to talk about and share because it's shaped. It's those experiences I have allowed, I allowed them to shape me and to see what I needed to learn in those moments and what life challenged me to learn because life did essentially was presenting challenges for me. And so I was able to kind of look back and say, yeah, this was life challenging me in its own way, the universe challenging, whatever you want to call it. And I needed to learn some things or two. I needed to, my identity did need to be challenged. And those difficult times, even with my parents, not that I don't wish it on anybody, but I think in that experience, my parents going through what they did and how it impacted our family, I made some decisions to look inward. At the Earlier on, I didn't. I definitely avoided it and, and did other things to avoid looking at that. And that's another L for a different day of I would get into relationships to avoid. And, you know, especially during the holidays, I would always make sure I was dating someone so I wasn't lonely. So there's other things too that was I would do to avoid. But I got to a point where I looked inward and really addressed what I needed to address and really look at, okay, what do I need to grow in? And I don't know if I, didn't, if I had those experiences, if I would have looked as soon as I did. Because, you know, I was definitely having some difficult times and I definitely answered the call to look inward and, and at the right time, someone recommending me a therapist and a counselor. Like those are things that I look back and saying, yeah, those things I could have said no to the counselor. I said, no, I'm good. But I didn't because I think there was a part of me that knew that I needed something different deep down. And I said yes to those things. So it's definitely not a no. I think that's beautiful. I just love that. You just felt like all the doors around you effectively were shut. People were preoccupied in their own situations that led you to feel like you can't mm -hmm. seek validation from external sources anymore because everyone else was preoccupied. Mm -hmm. So you had to look at yourself and think, mate, what am I worth? Well, this person said they're not talking to you. They're not there. Well, this person said they're not there either. Well, this person said, nah, mate, look in the mirror and tell me what you see. And you can look at a reflection all you want, but you've got to look at the person in the mirror and see yourself and identify what you like, what you don't like. And sometimes go a little bit deeper and decide, why don't you like these things? Is it okay not to like these things? If you're minimizing anything that tells you, well, I don't like the taste of it. I don't like the texture of it. But you say, oh, man up. Who's that talking to you? That doesn't sound like you're being kind to yourself in any way, shape or form. Everyone has their right to like, dislike, or feel any which way about something. But if you don't have that relationship with yourself, it can become quite toxic. And then you're relying on other people to validate who you are, what you do, why you do it. And then social media is very good at doing this. If you don't get the notifications, if you don't get the validation from people you're never going to meet in your life, you're just forever hung up on it. Yeah. When I will say this real quick, I think I missed, I feel like if social media was more prevalent at my age at the time, I'm sh I, I have a feeling it would have made it much more difficult. Because we didn't, it wasn't that big of a thing when I was in my twenties. We had MySpace, but you know, and that, you know, that, uh, that was actually a whole other story about another L with a relationship that ended at the time. And I was not my best self. And I remember, yeah, I was, yeah, it was not a good, another L for a different day, but being on MySpace and, and I remember how it made things worse, I would say for me at the time. And, but I didn't have TikTok and all things that kids have nowadays that it's so much easier to compare yourself to everything else going on. So 
I think in a way I, I was probably saved from that because I could see how I see kids now that are going through difficulty and they turn to social media and it just makes things astronomically worse for them. You know, they see all this stuff and it just becomes this big old hot ball of wax rat's nest for them. So yeah, I'm very thankful that I didn't have it if I'm honest back then. So, well, comparison is a fee for all joy, as they say. So quite fortunate about that. So if I can ask you for the next two minutes to selfishly plug yourself where people can find you. So, uh, you could find me on IG there, um, which is therapy for dads, the number four therapy for dads website as well. Therapyfordads.com. I have a podcast as well called therapy for dads, which is on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Actually, Matt has been on my show a few times. I need to have him on again, kind of check in on him. Yeah. As Matt said, we, we've had, we've developed relationships over the years that we met. And one fun thing about Instagram is that I've met some amazing people like Matt and not even, you know, he's from the UK. I'm, you, as you all know, most of you are probably from the UK and I'm from California. And look at this. So a positive of social media is meeting people that you would never meet in such a, in such an amazing capacity. So that's how to find me. The easiest way, check check it out, send me a DM, whatever. Check out the podcast, check out my channel, ask me a question. I'm more than happy to help out if I can, or at least point you in the right direction, minimum. But that's the easiest way to find me. Greatly appreciate. Well, thank you very much for your time. Folks, I hope you enjoy this because this is a different format for me. And it's definitely going to be, I want to see what you feel about the length of time of this because I wait to try something different and I'm quite happy about how it's coming out. So, I just want to again thank you, Travis, to you coming on and for sharing like you have. I think a lot of things have been taken away from it and you've been so eloquent. You've been so concise in how you've delivered it. Yes, there's other areas in which we could explore a little bit further when you have a little bit more time on your hands. But as it stands, as a package, I feel that will resonate with many people. I would like to, again, thank you for your candidness. It can be challenging for some people to open up in such a way especially about personal things that are personal to you that helped forge you to become the person you are. But I think we can all testify that sometimes you can go certain rough patches and it kind of makes you come out a little bit more refined. I'll use the analogy of sandpaper. Hell yeah, that thing's rough as anything. But the things a carpenter will tell you, that is their best friend. That is their probably most famous tool because it helps everything to be smooth and then they slap on the varnish and do whatever they do. But without that rough surface that they can use, it will forever be not adequate to do its job or it will never fulfill its potential. So saying all that, there's nothing about a caterpillar that tastes going to be a butterfly. I hope everyone enjoys themselves and I will catch you in the next episode.